Hey, good morning. Hey, I'm so glad to see you guys. Uh, many of you I have met, and there are some of you that I have not had the privilege to meet yet. I am Justin Clark. I am the campus pastor over at our Fairbanks campus. And so just like you heard Mark Cole say a few minutes ago in the welcome video, we are one church in three locations. And even just the kind of the realization of right this moment, um, Calhoun out at Fairbanks, Evan McFarland's filling in for me uh, while I could be here with you guys today, that um, our church family is gathered together to lift up the name of God and to open his word and that we could hear from him today. What a, a neat uh, thought that is, what an uplifting moment it is as we dive into God's Word today. Of course, we're going to be continuing in our sermon series, Basket to Casket, The Unsettled Life of Moses. And I hope that you have been following along so far, and I want you to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 16. So we're going to start, we're going to cover Exodus 16 and 17 today. We're going to be looking at three main instances in the life of the Israelites um, and as you turn there, uh, I want you to get to Exodus 16. Just a couple of minutes, I'm going to ask you to stand up and we're going to read together. But before we get there, I want us to think about this together. In every family that's gathered here, and really in every family I know, there's one person in that family at least that if they don't eat on a pretty regular basis, they become hangry. Amen. And so, listen, if you're, if you're here with your family, um, you know who it is in your family. And, and so for a long time in my family, it was me. I mean, I, if I get hungry, I'm a bear. I mean, and, then, and then we had Gracie. And Gracie is my, my daughter. And, and, and now, like even our extended family, our family friends, the people we do life together, they know that you have to feed Gracie. Because when Gracie gets hungry, she gets, um, you know, going. You know, she's, she's agitated, she's irritable, she's, she's ready to move to something different. Hey, listen, many of us recognize that. Hey, listen, if the hangry person is next to you, tell them, just hang tight, we'll be at lunch soon. If they're already there, just tell them, hang in there. Um, this will be over in a couple of minutes. Uh, but as we think about that, I don't do this every week, but this week I, I titled the message, and as we think about the events that we're going to see in chapter 16 and 17 of the book of Exodus, the title of today's message is, is There's Hope for the Hangry Heart. Uh, there's hope for the hangry heart. If you're a note taker this morning, you write that down. And as we think that through, we recognize that in the same way that we become agitated, that we become irritable, that we become quick to the emotions that we're feeling when we become hungry, when we become angry, there's good news. Because indeed, God's provision for the nation of Israel, as we're about to see, and for us is alive and well today. And that ultimately, we have a hope in whatever our need is that we can find the answer to that in the person of Jesus. And we're going to see that play out in the points that we're going to see, the observations that we're going to make from uh, this passage today. Uh, so the nation of Israel has gotten out of Egypt. They've been enslaved there for 400 some odd years. They go through all the plagues. Moses and Aaron lead them out of Egypt. They have this big Red Sea moment. We talked about that last week. And now they're in the wilderness and they're moving around. And they are running into trying times because they don't have enough in their own mind to eat and to drink. And they're working through that. And what we're going to see today is that God's going to provide for their needs. And in the same way he provides for their needs, God will provide for ours. So if you have your Bibles and you are now at Exodus chapter 16, would you stand with me? We're going to read the first five verses together and stand as we honor the reading of God's word together. 
Exodus chapter 16 and 1 reads, The entire Israelite community departed from Elam and came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. And on the 15th day of the second month, after they had left the land of Egypt, the entire Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by pots of meat and ate all the bread we wanted. And instead, you brought us into this wilderness to make this whole assembly die of hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. And this way I will test them to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on the other days. Father, as we have your word uh, open before us, and uh, God, as we, have, um, as we have proclaimed your glory in song and in prayer, the reading of your word, Father, we recognize in this moment our dependence upon you. God, we, we know deep down inside that we need things that we can't provide. And Lord, your provision is what we need. And so, Father, would you uh, be our God, Holy Spirit, in this time? Would you reveal yourself to us in a mighty way? Would you hide any preconceived ideas and notions that we came into this room with? And would you bring glory and honor to yourself? And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. All of God's people said, be seated, guys. Make yourself comfortable. As we jump into this passage, we're going to cover, like I said, chapters 16 and 17. And we're going to see three big areas where the people felt that they had a major need. They didn't trust in God's provision. God provided for them. And then I want us to see one more thing. As we work through these three big events, I want us to see that not only did God provide for their need, but in each way God provided for what they needed in that moment, we can also see God's provision in our life through the very person of Jesus. There's this really cool coincidence, wink, wink, nod, nod, because it's not really a coincidence at all. But in each way that God provided for the needs of the Israelites, we can see a need that we have in the same way and the way that Jesus ultimately meets that need in our own lives. And so this morning, what I want every one of us to leave knowing together is that God provides everything that we need. And so write that down for me. God provides everything that we need because as we leave today, if we've missed that, we've missed the crucial point of this passage. We've missed the most important part of what was going on in the life of the Israelites, how God provided for them, and how God wants to provide for us as well. God can provide everything we need. And I want you, as we kind of pin that, we're going to come back to that moment at the very end of our time together because that's an important truth for us to recognize, that in our lives, God provides everything that we need. Today, we're going to see how God provided everything the Israelites needed, but we're also going to see this really cool picture of how in Jesus, God provides everything we need as well. And so let's jump in. As we open uh, chapter 16, we read the first five verses together, and we saw that they have now made their way into the wilderness. This is the nation of Israel. And you'll remember, this is not a small group. In earlier chapters that we have already covered, we know that 600,000 men came out of Egypt. 
Now, that was not counting their wives. It was not counting their children. So this was a large group of people that has now made their way out of Egypt. They've been there for hundreds of years, been enslaved. They've gone through the plagues. They've gone through the Passover. They've gone through the Red Sea. They've seen God's provision in meeting their need when now the army of Pharaoh is behind them and the Red Sea is in front of them. We talked about that last week. And now they have made their way into the wilderness and they have become hangry. They are hungry. They are thirsty. And we talked about this. We used this word in the last couple weeks, this idea of spiritual amnesia. The nation of Israel has gotten into the wilderness and the heat has gotten to them. And I smile when I say that because that's not really what happened. They got out in the wilderness and they lost the trust. They lost the faith that even though they had seen God provide in all of these ways coming to this point, they didn't trust that God would continue to provide going forward. And so we jump back into the story and we're going to look at uh, the whole of chapter 16 where the people are longing for bread and for meat. And we read this earlier together in verse three and four. And this is the first observation today. Number one, the Lord's provision sustains us. The Lord's provision sustains us. The problem that the Israelites had is that they thought they were going to starve to death. We know this because they say as much. In verse 3, the Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by pots of meat and ate all the bread we wanted. Instead, you brought us into this wilderness to make this whole assembly die of hunger. Now, Most of us have felt hunger before, but few of us have ever felt hunger to the point that we thought we were going to starve to death. I want us to take note here that the timeline in the first few verses of chapter 16, they have only been out of Egypt for less than two months, about a month and a half. And so that they have already started to forget the way that God provided in these supernatural ways to get them from where they were. They had cried out to God, deliver us from our oppressors. Take us out of this place and so that we can be a free people, so that we can worship you as you have called us to. God heard that cry. He answered that cry. He provided for them. And now here they are walking away from the Red Sea Their sandals aren't hardly dry. And they're already saying, you brought us out here just to starve us to death. We could sit by the campfire being slaves in Egypt and had all the bread we wanted, had all the meat we wanted, had our bellies full. Now, yes, we were slaves, but we could have had all that we wanted. Why did you give us, listen to me, why did you give us what we asked for? See, we have to be really careful when we start coming to these places of not trusting God's provision, and we want what we want in the moment more than what he wants for our lives. They were hungry. They missed the meat. They missed the bread. They, it was apparently plentiful in Egypt, and God provided patiently for them, and he does that in a supernatural way. He sends bread that they desired in the form of manna and meat by sending quail. We didn't continue reading down this far, and so if you still have your Bibles open, I want you to look back at chapter 16. Look at verse 4. The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to make it rain bread from heaven for you. 
Every time I read this, I think of the, it's a, a pretty older movie now, but the animated movie, um, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Did y'all see that? I mean, it was just a, a fun movie about something happens, something ends up in space, and it starts raining gumdrops and, um, I don't know, spaghetti and hamburgers and all, all that kind of jazz. I start thinking about that because I'm not sure exactly what it must have looked like for God to say, I'm going to make it rain bread for you until we start to get this descriptor that God gives us as we continue to to read. And so they are longing for the nourishment, but they're longing for the feeling of being taken care of and crying out to God and accusing him of not meeting their needs. And so he in response says, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. And in this way, I'm going to test them to see whether or not they'll follow my instructions. And then drop down to verse eight. Moses continued, the Lord will give you meat to eat this evening and all the bread you want in the morning, for he has heard the complaints that you are raising against him. Who are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. I have um, several Bibles in my study that I use, but the one that I use most often is a Tony Evans study Bible. And in it, it's got uh, some of Dr. Evans' commentary at the bottom. And then throughout the pages, it'll have these little just kind of nuggets of truth sprinkled in there. He calls them hope words. And, and in this passage, in chapter 16, in the middle of this situation where they're saying, hey, while we were slaves in Egypt, at least we were well fed. And they started complaining. They started grumbling. They started bringing their accusations against God. Dr. Evans writes this about that time. It says, when your level of complaining is at an all-time high, it could mean that your level of praising is at an all-time low. That, that hurts a little, doesn't it? And it hurts because we recognize that there's a lot of truth in that statement. Look, I can prove it to you. For all of us who claim to be Christ followers, we are in Christ, saved by his death, burial, and resurrection. Have you ever had an experience where you could praise God and complain to God at the same time? It's very difficult to do. As a matter of fact, when our level of praise goes up, our level of complaint goes down. And when our level of complaint goes up, our level of praise goes down. You see, they were drawing a distinction between the trust and faith that they had and that God would meet their needs, that he would provide for them. But instead of trusting in him, despite the ample evidence that had been behind them, they looked at their current reality and said, well, God couldn't provide in this. We're going to starve to death. Hey, I just want to point out the, the reality here, guys. Uh, maybe I can be Captain Obvious in the room for a moment. A God that can part the Red Sea and make it like a wall on your left and your right can really do anything. Amen? They had seen the provision of God. They had seen the power of God. But now they wouldn't trust that he would continue to pour that out in their life. And they chose complaint over praise. And in my own life, let's just be honest, I'm convicted that I am guilty of doing the same thing over and over again. That in moments that I could turn my voice, my heart, and my posture into ones of praise, I use my voice, my thoughts, and my posture to become conduits of complaint about the situation around me. And most of the time, I would dare say all of the time, the complaint that I am voicing is not bringing glory to God, and it's not revealing a trust 
in the provision that he has for me. I don't trust in those moments that he will sustain me. And so God provides bread in the form of manna, and he provides meat in the form of quail for them. One commentary noted that the way that God provided the bread was significant, and it's significant because once we start thinking about the need that the Israelites had, and that they were hungry and wanted bread, and the need that we have, and that we have a sin problem that we can't take care of our own, that the answer was bread for them, and it's Jesus for us. And so listen to the ways that this commentary describes the answer, and God provides the bread in these ways and think about how we can then apply that into the way that Jesus impacts our life and our lost and our fallen condition. It says first that the bread was supernatural. They didn't go to Walmart and buy it by the loaf. Church, you can say amen or something. Yeah, let me know you're here. I'm going to keep going. All right, okay, here we are. Hey, the bread was supernatural in 11 through 15 of, of chapter 16. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the complaints of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will eat bread until you are full. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. So at evening, quail came and covered the camp. In the morning, there was a layer of dew all around the camp. And when the layer of dew evaporated, there were fine flakes on the desert surface, as fine as frost on the ground. And when the Israelites saw it, they asked one another, what is it? Because they didn't know what it was. And Moses told them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. The bread was supernatural, but the bread was sufficient. In 17 through 21, God tells them through the voice of Moses to gather only what you need. But then we find that they couldn't get too much and they couldn't get too little. If they had overgathered, it was just the right amount. If they had undergathered, it was just the right amount. That God supernaturally provided what they needed, but his provision was sufficient for them. Hey, guys, listen. I'm not going to pretend to stand here and know every person in this room and what you're going through. I don't know what's on your plate. I don't know what's in your bag. I don't know the weight you're carrying. I don't know the burden that you're feeling. But what I do know is that the provision that is available to you today is as supernatural and sufficient as it was for them. And we can trust in that. When is the last time we let our complaining lead to praise? And in that moment, realize that God has provided and his provision is supernatural, it's sufficient, and listen to me, it's sacred. Moses said, this is in 32, this is what the Lord has commanded. Two quarts of it are to be preserved. So they took some of this bread and about two quarts of it throughout your generations so that they may see the bread that I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses told Aaron, take a container and put two quarts of manna in it. And then place it before the Lord to be preserved through your generations. And 34 says, as the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron placed it before the testimony to be preserved. Now, as much of the provision of God to meet the Israelites' needs was accomplished for them in that moment to meet their physical need, Jesus is even more. Jesus is the bread of life by which we can be saved. In John chapter 6, Jesus is talking about this, and this very situation in Exodus 16 is being discussed. And so he's talking about their need and their desire for bread and their need and their desire for meat and what he is for us. Lost in our sin, Jesus is the Savior. And he says this in John 6, 31, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness just as it is written, and he gave them bread from heaven to eat. 
And Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He's talking about this situation. Then they said, sir, give us this bread always. So that was their response to Jesus. Now listen to what he says in verse 35 of chapter 6 of John. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. They had a need. They had the need for bread. They had the need for meat, and God provided that with manna and quail. But listen to me. We have a need as well, and our need is sin. And Jesus has provided that through bread, but not the manna kind. He provided it through the bread of life, and Jesus says that he is that way. Each of those things that we looked at about the bread that they apply to Jesus, he was supernatural, he was sufficient, and he was sacred. God's provision was sufficient, but it had to be done daily. When you start getting in the details of chapter 16, there was this response, there was this responsibility of the people to daily, to time and time again, to go gather what they needed. And in the same way, we have been called to do the same thing. You see, we are not called to have a faith and a trust in the provision of God that is manifest in one hour a week when we gather in rooms like this on Sunday morning. We have been called to daily go pick up the bread that God has provided for us and to apply into our lives. And we have to follow the rules. Some of us have more trouble with that than others. We have to follow the rules. God gave the instructions to the Israelites, go and gather daily what you need. Don't gather too much. And in the instances where they did, chapter 16 says that the bread that was left over stank and grew worms. You see, there's a, there's a picture there for us. There's a picture of application that when we go to the source and we follow the rules and we trust in his provision, Hey, guys, here's the reality. There is a miracle in the mundane, the mundane of bread, the mundane of meat, the mundane of getting up every day and the consistency, a long obedience in the same direction of daily going to him and saying, I need you to nourish me. I need you to sustain me. I need you to redeem me. Well, and using that word redemption brings me to this second thought, because as we move from their need for um, meat and for bread in chapter 16, we move into 17, and there is a similar situation, but this time it's because they want water. Now they are not hungry, they're thirsty. They've moved from the place they were in chapter 16, now into a new place in chapter 17, and there is no water for them to drink. And so observation number two in chapter 17, verses one through seven, is this, that the Lord's provision redeems us. The Lord's provision redeems us. The entire Israelite community left the wilderness of sin and moving from one place to the other, they were going about. And in verse two, they tell Moses, give us water to drink. Well, that frustrates Moses. Why are you complaining to me? Moses replied to them. Why are you testing the Lord? Now, here it is again. I want you to underline this. Make some kind of note of this in your Bible. Verse 3, but the people thirsted there for water, and they grumbled against Moses. And they said, why did you ever bring us up from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? 
And then Moses cried out to the Lord, what should I do with these people? In a little while, they will stone me. And in verse 5, it says, the Lord answered Moses, go on ahead of the people, take some of the elders of Israel with you, and take the staff you struck the Nile with in your hand and go. And I'm going to stand there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. And when you hit the rock, water will come out of it and the people will drink. The entire Israelite people were on the move. And yet again, they find themselves without. And as they turn to Moses, they doubt God. Hey, can I just ask us in the changing seasons of our life, with all of the moving pieces, and again, I don't know what yours are. I just know what mine are. Just the way that the world works and just kind of all the situations that we have going on. How, how many of us, every time we hit one of these moving seasons, go right back to a place of complaining and doubting? And I just felt the conviction of that this week as we think about they are provided for, they see the hand and power of God in miraculous ways, then they move, season changes, circumstance changes, and then they doubt again. They cry out, they mumble, they grumble. God provides in miraculous ways. They see the supernatural power of God, the provision that he has for them, but then they don't trust, they don't remember, they don't believe. The spiritual amnesia is an ongoing problem for them. They can't get past it. They don't trust that God is true to his word and will provide for what they need. And when the people were thirsty, the Lord provided a rock for Moses to strike, and it gave them water. It's important for us to see and to take note of both parts here. God provided the water that they needed, but God provided a rock that could be struck as well. And while we could easily make the jump from the first point of they wanted bread, and God provided them manna, and we see Jesus as that answer, we can do the same thing here. And really, we can do it in two different ways. Because as he, um, as, as he met their need and provided for their need in uh, th this redeeming process, he does that in two ways. Jesus is the water that is living water, and Jesus is the rock that was struck for us. The people were saved. God was glorified. The people were redeemed. But again, God's provision for his people here was a foreshadowing of the Lord's provision for you and me. In Jesus, God provided living water, and the rock that was struck provided salvation for man. Some of you, like me, grew up in church. You grew up singing um, the song, Rock of Ages. And I'm going to do you a favor and not sing it, but I want to read you just a couple of these lyrics. I want you to think about the provision, the provision that God made for you and for me. And Jesus, the rock that was struck, rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side float. Be of sin the double cure, save from wrath and make me pure. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 53 wrote it this way. But he was pierced because of our transgressions. He was crushed because of our iniquities. The punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep, and we have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. And then Paul, as he's writing to the church in Corinth, he's talking about this situation. 
in the first seven verses of chapter 17 of Exodus, Paul's writing and he says, they all ate the same spiritual food and they all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Guys, please don't miss that. The beautiful picture here is not just that, hey, they got drink and they didn't thirst to death in the wilderness. That's obviously good news. But the beautiful picture here is that in God's provision, once again, he provided for them in such a way that we can see this beautiful coincidental layover into our own lives, into our own salvation and the way that he has provided for us. Jesus, who knew no sin, was struck for you, struck for me, and we have a great need in our sin And God met that in Jesus. In one of my favorite chapters of all of the New Testament, Jesus is corresponding with a woman in John chapter 4 by a well. And she is trying to get some physical water, much like the Israelites were. And Jesus and her are having a conversation. And in verses 13 and 14, it says this, Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. Jesus is saying, you can pull water out of that well, and you can drink it, but you're going to need to drink it again tomorrow and the next day and the next day. He continues, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Jesus met I'm sorry, the Lord met the need of the nation of Israel and their hunger and in their thirst. The Lord's provision sustained them and the Lord's provision redeemed them. And then we get to the last of chapter 17. And there's a shift, a shift in the narrative. It goes from them wanting food, it goes from them wanting bread, wanting meat, wanting water, to now the narrative is is that they are being attacked. There's a leader named Amalek, and his people are known as the Amalekites, and they have attacked Israel. And so Joshua, kind of, he'd be the general of the army, if you will, goes out and leads the army of Israel to fight against the Amalekites. And we see this in verses 8 through 16, which is the end of chapter 17. And we see this third idea of God meeting us where we are and providing for our needs. And this is it. The Lord's provision upholds us. The Lord's provision upholds us. Now, we see this happen, and the outcome of the battle, Joshua and the army go down on on like the valley floor, and the battle is happening. The fighting begins. Moses, Aaron, and Hur, which is another another guy in this situation, go up to the hilltop, and they are observing the battle. And an interesting observation happens. They notice that when Moses is obedient to what God has told him to do, which is to take his staff that God gave him and to hold his arms up in the air, as long as he was doing that, the nation of Israel, the Israelites, were winning the battle. Arms up, they win. Arms down, they lose. You get it? Moses' arms are up, they're winning. Moses' arms are down, they're losing. It didn't take long for Aaron and her to pick up on this situation. And so the word says that they propped him up. They held his arms up, one on each side. And when they couldn't do that, they took rocks and they made a place for him to sit down and for him to still have his arms up so that they could be victorious. God was providing for them. And sometimes God's provision comes in the people that he'll put you around you. 
Man, I can't really say this strongly enough. So guys, just listen to me. It matters who you surround yourself with. In your life, social circles, business, family, relationships. Hey guys, it matters who's around you. Do you have people that'll prop you up? Let me show you what I mean by this. Go back, if you have your Bibles open to 17, in um, verse 10, it says, Joshua did as Moses had told him. He fought against Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. While Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed, but whenever he put his hand down, Amalek prevailed. And when Moses' hand grew heavy, they took a stone and put it under him and sat down on it, and he sat down on it. And then Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until the sun went down. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his army with the sword. God provided victory for the Israelites by his provision of Aaron and Hur to hold Moses up when he couldn't stand on his own. God provided Jesus to hold us up when we can't stand on our own. See, in every one of these situations, this beautiful picture of chapter 16 and 17 is on the surface simply a story of the Israelites complaining, the Israelites in need, and God meeting their needs. But in reality, what those of us who are in Christ see is that while there is the truth of God meeting the physical needs of the Israelites, he physically provided manna. He physically provided quail. He physically provided um, Aaron and her around Moses and provided victory in that battle. But in the biggest scheme of things, the greatest need that we know today is not our hunger. The greatest need that we know today is not our thirst. The greatest need is not even who we'll surround ourselves with. The greatest need that you and I and everyone we know has is a saving relationship with Jesus. And in God's provision for the Israelites in chapter 16 and 17, we can not only recognize and appreciate the way that God met their physical needs, but we also can see it as the clear foreshadowing of how God would send his son Jesus to pay the price for my sin and yours. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we see that so clearly in this passage that Jesus is the one upholds us. He's the one that upholds us in our greatest need. Our greatest need is to have our sins forgiven. He's the one who's done that. It's his, his victorious right hand. He is who intercedes for us. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, particularly in the ESV translation, I want you to listen to how this puts this. This is amazing to me. It's talking about Jesus. The author of Hebrews is talking about Christ, and it says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And then listen to this. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Do you hear that? He upholds the universe by the words of his power. I'm almost done, guys. Listen to me. I'm a relatively simple dude, but at the end of the day, here's what I know. That if that's true, that the God that we're talking about upholds the universe by the word of his power, then he's got your life and mine under control. That we can trust him. That we can choose praise over complaining. 
that we can lean into the provision that he's provided for us. You see, when I say that he upholds us, and then we turn to passages like that that says, not, not just us, he upholds the universe. If he can hold the universe together, I bet he can handle what's going on in my world and yours. Do you believe that, church? And so here's the deal. As we, as we bring this thing to a close, if we believe that, if we believe that God's provision in our lives is great enough that no matter what's going on, he's got the universe in hand and he's got our lives in hand, then here's this. And this is the, what I really want us to lean into as we close and apply this. That, and I, I did this last time too, and I'm gonna get down here where I can see you just a little bit better and so the lights are not quite in my eyes because I want like almost eyeball to eyeball if it was just me and you over a cup of coffee talking. There's not a single person in this room that has a single need that Jesus is not the answer for. I want you to listen to that. I want you to chew on that for a minute. If I was talking to each one of you individually, and it was just us, just, just a cup of coffee, me and you talking about what is the biggest need you have in your life that I could tell you with all the authority of heaven and the word of God, you don't have a need that Jesus isn't the answer for because they don't exist. He is the answer. And so in my life and in your lives, will we lean into this reality that God has provided for us. We see the story of his faithfulness in the lives of the Israelites. We see the reality of this even sometimes tangible expression of, yeah, you're hungry, here's bread. You're hungry, here's quail. You're thirsty, here's water. You're fighting, here's provision. Here's support. Will we live our lives in this posture of God, I'll choose praise over complaint, and I'll trust you. The Israelites struggled with this. And I've said this once before, and I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to be done. I think we love this story so much. I think we relate to this story so much because we're the same. Way too often, guys, in my own life, with my own family, in my own day-to-day -day activity, I lean in and I choose complaint instead of praise. Way too often in my own life, I choose to focus on, gosh, I'm kind of hungry, instead of going, God has met all of my needs. Now, I didn't say everything I wanted. I didn't say life would be perfect. I didn't say you'd never have bad days. But you can't have a need that Jesus didn't answer for. And today we can trust in that. And so in just... A second, I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to ask that you stand to your feet with me, and you can do that right now if you'd stand with me. And I know this is not always necessarily the way that we do this in this room, but um, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to what God's doing in your life today. And some of you are still stuck. Listen to me. Some of us are still stuck in that greatest point of need, and that's because you've never relinquished the control of your life to Jesus. You never asked him to, to be your Savior and your Lord, surrendering the control of your life to him. And that's your greatest need, and that's where you are, and that's what you need to do today. And you can. 
The Bible says that Jesus died to save us. He paid the price for our sins so that we could know him, so that we could grow in him, and so that we can walk with him daily. Hey, for the rest of us, for the rest of us, most of us in this room would say, yes, I am in Christ. I am saved. I am a Christ follower. How would your life be different this week? How would your family, how would your home be different this week if you chose praise over complaint? If you believe that there's not a need you have that Jesus is not the answer for? I want to give you a chance to respond to that. Let me pray for us. Father, as we have had your word open before us, we have sought your truth, not our opinions, not some kind of agenda we drummed up. We want to hear from you. Father, we thank you for providing for us. Thank you for being the bread of life. Thank you for being the living water. Thank you for upholding us by the power of your word. So Jesus, I give you this time. Use it any way you want to. We love you. Amen.